the fact that you have to put in a cost into each on the SKU level like that, even if I have a couple hundred SKUs and I'm a small manufacturer, there's no first in first out capabilities. There's no real inventory management capabilities that I found to be really, really shocking that even if I'm a medium, small size manufacturer and I want to scale, that would really be a problem for me. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. Traditional IT required you to stress test programming languages, databases, and server farms based on your expected workload. You designed the system based on the size of your organization. If you're buying an ERP system, you obviously don't have to go through the testing and measurement process as you assume that ERP vendors and salespeople must sell to the right-sized organization. Unfortunately, most ERP salespeople neither have ERP implementation nor an IT background. To be fair with them, their providers never provide them with the technical sheet or technical education of the system's limitations. Instead, they only have access to the functional sheets. Would you not expect a technical sheet if you were buying a piece of machinery as the OEMs are legally required to provide for the products that might be life-threatening? Then why not for an ERP? This makes the process for selecting an ERP system fundamentally flawed as just because a Corolla may have similar functionality as an SUV or a truck a Corolla is not supposed to be doing the same heavy lifting if your organization has grown to require an SUV. Because of this issue, most companies end up defaulting to the system they already trust, such as SAP. Or they might be making extremely unfair comparisons such as Oracle NetSuite versus Global Shop. If you ask them to explain why they chose a specific system, they would rarely have an answer. Each ERP system is designed for a specific stage of a company and you'll be sitting on a financial and legal risk if you don't understand that you will get the real taste of ERP after signing a multi-year contract and starting to load all of your data. Let's dig under the hood to understand how to evaluate desktop apps such as Global Shop. More importantly, where does Global Shop stand as of today and where do they win most? In today's episode, we invited a panel of industry experts for a live discussion on LinkedIn to discuss major stories in the ERP and digital transformation space and an objective and independent review of Global Shop's capabilities. We covered several grounds, including their marketing claims, especially about their transparency to their customers and underlying technical deficiencies that may not be entirely clear to the customers. Finally, we discussed how these technical limitations might drive the admin cost and challenges in running even a decent sized manufacturing organization with more than 100 SKUs. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey guys, welcome to today's show. So we are going to move to the intros first and after that we will be going deeper into the topic. Phil, can I start with you for your intro, if you don't mind? Your thing. Hi everybody. Hi Sam. I'm Phil Kerper, Managing Director of Ringling Business Solutions. Uh, we help executive management teams align their digital strategy with their core business plan for maximum return on investment. And it's really great to be here today. Okay, thank you so much, Phil, for your intro. Dave, can I move to you next for your intro, if you don't mind? Yeah, thanks, Sam. Hey, everybody. My name is Dave Chrysler, and I own a company called the Chrysler Club, where we work with business owners to help them create the systems they need to stop working in their business so that it can grow. And I come to you with uh, more than 20 years in the manufacturing space, uh, working directly with ERP implementations. Thanks for having me, Sam. 
Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. Uh, Angela, can I move to you next for your intro? Sure. Thanks, Sam. Hi, everybody. I'm Angela Thurman. I own Thurman Co., a project management consulting company in Houston. I come with more than uh, 20 years experience in project management, primarily in aerospace and telecommunications, most recently in supply chain management for a major U.S. aerospace company. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Angela. Andy, can I move to you next for your intro, if you don't mind? Absolutely. Thank you, Sam. Uh, my name is Andy Pratico. I've been in the ERP industry for manufacturers for over four decades. I've uh, worked with manufacturers all over North America. I, I think the number is well over a thousand, but uh, it's quite a few. And uh, I've also published a book on helping companies evaluate ERP software. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Andy. So, guys, you join for this series for the first time what we typically do as part of this series is going to be we take three different perspectives number one is going to be your financial perspective number two is going to be your your marketing perspective number three is going to be user perspective depending upon what information is available so we'll be covering all of that but let's dig into these stories today and let's analyze what is happening in the market so the very first story that we have is coming from shopify and this was a big news for a lot of e-commerce practitioners. And the reason for that is this is the first time somebody has opened a platform to be able to create direct integration with the Shopify platform. If you have been in the e-commerce space for any length of time, you would understand the challenges when you are going to integrate e-commerce platform with your ERP, especially if you are going to be exploring scenarios such as buy online, pick up at store. If you have 24 cross seven functioning store, you have significant challenges. It, it wasn't easy at all. Shopify is trying to bring the native integration. I don't know how deep this integration is going to be, but they are really bringing this closer to ERP that you have end-to-end -end experience as if you were part of one system. So here, the news is going to be Shopify global ERP program enables vendors to build direct integration from their ERP systems into Shopify platform. Again, this is the Shopify initiative. There are a bunch of systems such as Acumatica, Infor, uh, Oracle NetSuite. And by the way, they are using Word Infor. Infor has a lot of different products. So they are not clear in terms of which integration this is and which product this is. So I don't know. I mean, see, the news isn't clear. I don't know where they are overall in terms of this integration. But seems like Infor is at least invested in that. And then we have Oracle NetSuite and Brightpearl. I am not sure if I'm familiar with that platform, which are now available in the Shopify App Store integration for Microsoft Dynamics 365 Business Central. In case of Microsoft, at least we are being explicit that they are trying to build for the Business Central, which used to be your nav platform, as opposed to your the bigger solution, because obviously Shopify is not going to have a place with the bigger solution because bigger solution is targeted for slightly more Fortune 500 global companies. So that's why they are building against Business Central. Okay, so the next story is really coming from SAP. And I don't know in the past if we have covered SAP in any of our sessions, but this is the first time we got something from SAP, which is very exciting, which is still a granddaddy of the ERP market share, especially if you talk about the enterprise space. A lot of people think that, you know what, SAP has lost steam. Their steam in the cloud market, uh, they don't really have much of the stake in cloud. Uh, you know, Oracle, you will hear this from Oracle uh, that, you know what, uh, uh, you are not going to hear from SAP because SAP has become very legacy solution. Uh, Oracle is winning a lot in the, in the cloud market. Other competitors are really stealing the market share. SAP always had roughly, what, 50% market share? If you look at purely from the dollar perspective. Okay, in the ERP space. So a lot of small vendors think that, you know what, I'm stealing market share from SAP, but SAP is still a very granddaddy of the ERP industry. Now, if you actually look at the numbers of SAP, even in case of cloud, they are doing really well. And I don't know, maybe you guys can tell me from the Oracle conversation if SAP is doing better than Oracle or worse than Oracle, but seems like they are doing pretty good. So here, if you actually look at the S4 HANA platform, which was always positioned to be slightly behind in cloud, this is the grand solution that every single Fortune 500 is probably going to be either SAP Shop 
or Oracle shop, sometimes they are going to have Microsoft as well. But for the most part, it is either going to be SAP or Oracle. So as for HANA, is winning big time. So here, if you actually pay attention to the way they have reported, they are saying the S4 HANA current cloud backlog was up 60%. And Phil, maybe you can help me here with your financial background. So I don't completely understand what backlog really means. To be honest, I don't know if you have seen the backlog term. I don't know if this is going to be more of the back order that they cannot fulfill right now. Yeah, the, uh, those know. those can be typically those can be used interchangeably. So it's the backlog is the amount of business on in process. So you've received an order, but you haven't executed on the order in manufacturing. That would mean you haven't shipped it in here. It just means you haven't fully executed on on that order yet. Uh, how they say when it moves from backlog to order is an interesting issue of how revenue is recognized in this area, but that's another topic, but it means they're waiting to fully recognize it. Yeah, and I agree, to be honest. I mean, that was my understanding as well, but they are saying the current cloud backlog was up 60%. So here's how I am going to read this, okay? So if I am, let's say, a manufacturing customer or the SAP or in the SAP ecosystem, this would mean that the customers are actually willing to move to S4 HANA so they have some sort of confirmation. I don't know if the confirmation is going to be simply in terms of the pipeline or it is going to be the actual order booking. If they have the actual order booking and they are not really able to fulfill those, now that's a big deal, guys. If they have the order that, okay, I have 50,000 customers who are really willing to move to S4 HANA, but SAP does not have the capacity to be able to migrate those. That's a big deal, guys. Right. <laughs> You are so right on this one, Sam. Backlog is a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing because it says you've got plenty of business for the coming cycles. It's a bad thing if it's if people are waiting, you know, if you're not flowing it through into, into fulfilling those orders. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, the reason why it is a good thing for SAP is because they are really committed to SAP. They really want SAP to happen. And that's the reason why they are calling it this backlog. Now, I don't know from the financial perspective, what's the real metric here in measuring, you know, what is a backlog? If it is going to be a simple opportunity in the CRM, all right, I don't I don't count that as, as the real backlog. Sure, there may be a little bit of certainty in terms of the opportunity, but let's say if somebody has really swiped their credit card, then it's a different case that you have at least. I know that is going to be, you know, liability from the financial perspective that you have to still deliver the services and you have to, uh, you know, then only you can recognize the revenue, but at least you have the cash. Once you have the cash, then things are going to be slightly easier. So in my opinion, I think if they have the backlog was up 60%, that's a big deal, guys. I have not seen this anywhere else, even in case of Oracle. Cloud revenue was up 20%. And now I don't know what is the real reason behind this backlog. You know, it could be because lack of talent. Uh, it could be because they don't have enough partners who are qualified enough to be able to migrate or they just want to take time to do the analysis before they can. Uh, and most of the SAP workloads are going to be humongous, like, they, they are really big. So you don't want to like flipping ERP overnight. It will not make any sense. So obviously you, you want to be slightly more diligent in the process. So maybe they are going through the evaluation process or uh, with their uh, assessment process, even after closing the deal. Cloud revenue was up 20%. As for HANA, cloud revenue growth accelerated uh, as anticipated up uh, 46%. Software license revenue. Guys, software license revenue is going to be your on-prem. Okay, so they are being extremely clear here that on-prem revenue is coming down and that would be the expectation because most of these customers are going to be, they must be moving from your on-prem to cloud. So on-prem is going down, the services revenue is going down. In case of on-prem, you had far more services. Now maybe they are selling through partners or whatever, but service revenue is going down. So obviously there's going to be one line item and that we saw in case of Oracle as well. So the trend is consistent that you know, the subscription revenue is increasing across the board for SAP, for Oracle, for most of the players. Now, I don't know who is bigger, who's growing faster. That is something I cannot get from this data. I don't know if you guys have any insights there. This revenue decline, I think they are talking about the service revenue was primarily, they had done one of the divestiture and that was for the SAP Digital Interconnect. I think that must be a very small play there for SAP. I don't really care for that. Uh, the total revenue was up 5% year over year. Now, if you really look at this number, then that, that's going to be your previous year, which is going to be your COVID year. And this year, which is going to be your better COVID year. 
So obviously, 5% revenue is going to be probably flat growth because you were down significantly last year, but then you could only make up for 5%. So 5% is not a big deal. I think they were fairly even overall with respect to revenue expectations. The share of more predictable revenue grew by 3% points year over year uh, to 77% in the third quarter. That's not as important, but uh, the overarching message here is that SAP is also growing significantly in cloud as Oracle. The other story is coming from IFS, and this is going to be the, their relationship with Boomi. And I had no idea that they had a relationship with Boomi. Uh, obviously, Boomi is very well penetrated with their IS. I don't know what were the real reasons why Dell spun off Boomi. I don't know if you if you guys could catch up the story, Boomi story back in the you know a few months back. Dell actually spun off, and it could be because of the strategic reasons. Maybe because you had the Dell brand associated with Boomi, some of the vendors might not be willing to work with uh, with Boomi because it may come across as a red flag that you are Dell and you know you might be my competitor, so I don't want to work with you. So here, Boomi is creating really good relationship. Obviously, Boomi is going to be used in the majority of the ecosystems, uh, SAP ecosystem, especially when you are going to have things like SAP success factors, you are going to have SAP hybrids, you're going to have SAP as Hana. Typically, they use Boomi. They, even though SAP has its own integration platform, for the most part, they are probably going to be using Boomi in those situations. I don't know if that is consistent with the Oracle ecosystem as well. Oracle seems to have slightly better integration platform, but I have heard complaints about that as well. So I, I have personally not seen Boomi being used in the Oracle ecosystem, but it is very common in the SAP ecosystem, in the other ecosystem. We saw uh, Boomi, if I recall correctly, in the Apicor session, they also, they had relationship with Jitterbit. So Apicor had relationship with Jitterbit. And uh, in case of IFS, they are creating relationship with uh, uh, with Boomi. And now the relationship is going to be far stronger. They have designed far superior connector. That is going to be, uh, that is going to give them the capabilities to be able to integrate. So every single enterprise vendor has some sort of IFS. In case of Salesforce, you have MuleSoft. Uh, you know, that's owned by them. So obviously, nobody else is going to work with MuleSoft anymore just because that's the Salesforce monopoly. And that's why sometimes these IPaaS can win far more when you are not going to have that competitor involved as part of your deal. So that's the IFS. And the last news that we have is actually coming from Oracle. And this is also related to the IPaaS. But this is Oracle's IPaaS. So this, is, this has been recognized, uh, you know, for the fifth consecutive year on Gartner. If you actually follow the news, especially today, there were a bunch of announcements from Gartner, I guess from the IDC as well, and they all rated the IPaaS. And surprisingly enough, they all had different IPaaS as part of their magic quadrant. So I don't know, you know, what are the real variables here, how they were measuring these IPaaS systems, but Oracle seems to be really doing well in the enterprise integration platform as a service, and that reinforces my point. The last point that I made that, you know, I have personally not seen Oracle being used with Boomi. SAP is used a lot with Boomi. Oracle is not used as much. So most likely in the Oracle ecosystem, maybe they are using their own integration layer. But I have heard complaints about the Oracle integration layer. Primarily, this is used really in the enterprise space. Okay, if you guys have any comments, I'll pause for a second. Otherwise, we are going to move to today's conversation, which is going to be Global Shop. Okay, so seems like we don't have any comments, guys. So we are going to be talking about Global Shop, and I am going to give you a little brief about what Global Shop is. And again, I am going to go back to the parameters that we were discussing earlier. And those parameters are going to be when you are going to be making the ERP decision, you are going to be making some of the crucial decisions. And that is going to be whether you are going to be working directly with the software manufacturer or do you want to work with the consulting company. These both methods have their own pros and cons. And each of the ERP systems you are going to select, they are going to be around this particular criteria. So let's say if you really want to work with the software manufacturer directly, you are going to be very tightly coupled with that specific manufacturer, especially if they don't have their channel, if their training material is not marketed as it would in case of the ERP ecosystem where they have to coach their partner. 
when they have to coach their partners, the training material is going to be very well done because somebody else is reading it versus your internal team reading it, right? So, so they have to put a lot of work. Somebody is there to challenge your training material. When the, the software manufacturer themselves are actually trying to use this material for themselves, nobody is really there to challenge them. Moreover, you are going to be creating significant lock. Once you, let's say if you are not happy with the software manufacturer services, then you don't have any other place to move on to. Your software manufacturers are going to have limitations overall in terms of consulting. They will be more than happy to help on the product, but they fall short when you are going to be doing the real consulting. And when I say real consulting, meaning, you know, how do you create source of truth? How do you make design decisions uh, across the system? When your e-commerce need to talk to your ERP, when your ERP need to talk to MES, you are going to be dealing with these three different providers and they are going to ask you, tell me what you want me to do. And they are going to follow the orders. And sometimes in case of an ERP, that could be dangerous, okay? Because they are simply going to implement everything without going through the phase where somebody needs to challenge the requirement. And sometimes, you know, the business users, they don't have as much IT background. It could be hard for them to be able to understand what should be automated and what should not be automated. And there is a decision process that you have to go through in case of IT. There is a negotiation process. Sometimes that could be hard when you are working directly with the, with the vendor. Now, the other criteria that I would like to discuss is going to be, there are always going to be three tiers in case of an ERP. Number one tier is going to be your mom and pop shop. Okay, these mom and pop shops are not really owned by any of the private equity companies. They are not invested by the large investors. In case of ERP, that matters a lot because you are, they are guarding your data. Okay, you are tightly coupled with them. Tomorrow you have a problem in your sales order. You are not able to fulfill your sales order. Who are you going to call? You have to call these guys. So they are going to be your strategic partner all the time. So you need to be really mindful in terms of their, where they are coming from. What is their real position in the market? What is their financial position? That's going to be super critical. You can't simply check the reference and pray that, you know what, whatever worked for the other customer is probably going to work for me as well. So there is a clear differentiation when you look at these ERP vendors. You are going to have super small vendors that are really promoting the desktop app. And we are going to be talking about that as well. The, what exactly is a desktop app versus a real ERP? And then you are going to have slightly more mid-sized vendor. They are either backed by private equity companies or they are backed by publicly from the, from the public sources, right? So obviously they are going to be scrutinized far more on their financial statement in the way they operate because they are going to have board, they are going to have advisor. But when you have a family-owned business, we all know how family-owned businesses work, okay? So that's a real risk for your business, especially if you're tight coupling yourself with a ERP vendor that is going to be family owned. And we'll be talking about all of the issues that you are going to be encountering in that case. The other point that I really wanted to make is going to be, there's a clear difference between what is a desktop app versus what is going to be an ERP that is going to be the operating system for your company. When you talk about desktop app, sometimes what these vendors do is they are going to pin down the technology footprint, okay? You will not know this if you are simply comparing the checklist, 500 functional requirements, and that's how typically ERP decisions are made. If you are simply approaching the ERP selection that way, most likely you are going to get a lot more technical issues and you will not get any explanation why those technical issues are happening. And these things actually run far deeper. We will be discussing all of that, why these technical decisions are going to impact your business processes. So here, a little bit of history, by the way. Global Shop is a very, very, very old company. They started somewhere in 1970. I don't know if, uh, I think SAP started around, somewhere around that time. I don't know, Sightline used to claim that they were one of the oldest manufacturing system, but I don't know if Sightline started this back. Obviously, Infor started in somewhere in 2003. Right now, they are probably third largest. And Epicor, they are a very old company. Obviously, they are really big as well. But Global Shop is not even close to any of these companies. If Global Shop was really good, your expectation is going to be, hey, brother, you have been in the market for how many? Like 50 years now? And you are still, you still have 50 employees. What's going on? Typically, my expectation is going to be, 
if you have been in the market for 50 years, you have really figured out your game and you are a real company and you want a real company that is going to be behind your ERP. In case of ERP, you, you want a real business that is backing your, your ERP. Global Shop Solutions is led by, you know, Dick Sons. Uh, it's still very family owned. There's no sort of advisor. At least I did not notice anywhere that they have any sort of, you know, real board or some sort of independent advisor who is advising the company, how they can take their company to the next level. I could not find that. So they have uh, their journey printed. And one of the things that you're going to notice, if you actually pay attention to Global Shop, the way they have structured themselves. So as I had mentioned, the way we look at things, right? in the ERP market. Number one is always going to be financial statements. That's the that's the source of truth for me because financial statements is nowhere can really sort of overstate, misrepresent in the financial statement. So this being family owned, obviously you're not going to find uh, uh, the financial statement. But the next thing that I really wanted to find is, okay, at least show me your marketing material. Okay, so I'm actually going to analyze your marketing material, how you have been presenting in the last 50 years and have you changed any of the positioning the way you communicate to the market. If you actually go to the global shop site, it's a secret society, guys. Okay, the only thing, the only thing you will know about global shop is going to be probably their menus. Even if you want to get a case study, you have to put your email address. I'm not comfortable with that. Why is it so secret? If you are so good, why would you not open up? So that's going to be my challenge with Global Shop, that why everything is so secret, okay? So I could not find any data sheets, guys. What Are you simply using these data sheets as part of your sales cycle? You are not comfortable presenting those publicly? I don't get it. I just don't get it. Yeah, Dave, go ahead. Hey, Sam, I, I did want to mention, as I was taking a look through their website, I, I agree with you. Everything is gated. Um, but there is a notation. Um, I believe it was on um, either their homepage or as you start to get dig a little bit deeper into there. But there is a section on, on the marketing side that says that because they're a family owned business, that they're happy to provide their financials. But there is no easy access to it like you would typically find, like we found in you know some of the other larger players. But I did want to let you know, I did see that on uh, their website that they kind of tout that saying, yes, this is available. Just ask us for it. And, you know, the comparator is, you know, the other guys know that information is not available, which we we obviously all know is is incorrect. You are absolutely right. And I did notice that as well. And we have a screenshot for that. And we are going to discuss that as well. But my take on this is going to be if you are so transparent and you are presenting yourself as a transparent company, why would you not open up everything just like any other ERP vendors? Okay, what is the problem in presenting the data sheets publicly? Why does it have to be part of the sales process? Here's my problem with this, uh, you know, not being open, right? When you are not open, I don't know if you're changing anything internally. I have no idea. When you or your salesperson is going to come, tomorrow you are going to be changing your case study. Tomorrow you are going to be changing your data sheets. I cannot trust you. If you are not on a public URL, it's very, 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 very hard for me to trust. The only thing I really trust is going to be, give me a public URL, give me the screenshot of the public URL, and that's what my source of truth is. That's how I operate. So here, if you actually look at their journey, their journey is very interesting. So since 2014, there has not been real updates overall. If you actually look at their user uh, experience or the UI, they have claimed that they had released user experience in back in 2014. Now, guys, if you actually pay attention, since 2015, the real cloud boom started in the market, right? So if you pay attention to Acumatica, Acumatica became really big. All the cloud native, uh, you know, platform for that matter, you know, they really picked up the steam in 2015. That's where everybody started believing that cloud was a thing. Before that, everybody was sort of, you know what, I don't know if cloud is going to work. And these guys had released their pretty screens. By the way, this is still a very desktop app, guys. I will show you the screenshot, okay, of their demo that they have on YouTube. And by the way, going back to the assets that I was looking for that were publicly available, the only thing you are going to find is going to be four or five YouTube videos, guys. Okay, if you actually want to look at the product, if you really want to get a taste before a salesperson comes and they present you something fancy, it's very hard to trust that demo because you don't know what you are seeing. The only thing you can really trust is going to be your public URL because that's there, it, you know, whatever comes on internet, it, it actually lives there. So they had released, after that, there has not been real announcement. They have uh, released single screen dashboards. 
even the single screen dashboards was a big deal for them. Think of how outdated their technology was. They have released a mobile app. Mobile app is only for CRM guys. Now, I don't know if they acquired a CRM platform that is built on a different technology than the other underlying system. They could have done that. So that's why they are able to present these family mobile screens. So guys, if you actually pay attention to their menu, menu are going to be fairly consistent. This is how ERP community operates. Angela, you are going to be happy here. They are alphabetical with their industry. So we have a consistent trend that everybody, everybody likes alphabetical for some reason. Okay, so obviously they are really good at their SEO. They have spelled out every manufacturing vertical that you can probably think of as part of their, uh, their positioning where all they are trying to position. But if you actually pay attention to some of the features, and again, if you actually click on any of these features, the content is going to be gated. It's not going to be open. So you have no real sense of what capabilities they really have and what they are sending to the customers. They might be changing everything when they are sending to these specific customers. A couple of things that you are going to notice, which I found really, really interesting. Okay, they have uh, things like, you know, websites for manufacturers. I saw advertising for manufacturers. Okay, so I have hard time understanding why are you selling the advertising services when you are an ERP OEM. So it's like I'm going to catch everybody and I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm not too sure if I will find advertising for manufacturers on any of the OEM. And I'm being very specific. OEM is a very different positioning overall in the market. I don't know if you guys notice anything else here on this menu. But they seem to be claiming that, you know, they have every capability that a manufacturing ERP is going to require under the sun. So, Sam, they do provide case studies. And when I dug into that a little bit more, I didn't think that all of those case studies necessarily were applicable. Uh, For example, PCB manufacturing, the case study that was provided, in my opinion, wasn't truly a PCB manufacturer. It was a company that perhaps supported PCB manufacturers, but the company itself, Evans, did not, in fact, manufacture printed circuit boards. So I found that a little bit misleading. Yeah, but I mean, I am pretty sure that you had to put your email address to be able to download those those case studies. I, I, I mean, did. I case, did. Why do case studies need to be gated? I don't get it. I mean, why do your data sheet need to be gated? I don't get it. Data sheet is supposed to be you are positioning your product, make them open because so that people can trust you that you are positioning yourself publicly. If you don't tell me what product you have, then I cannot trust you whether you are going to build it or you have a real product. Okay, guys, so the couple of things, and these are the screenshots that we have taken that you have to, if you want to download all of these product data sheets, you have to provide your email address. And I don't provide my email address to anybody unless they have a real offer for me. In this particular case, I I cannot trust them. You know, if they are going to be gated, I like things to be open, especially if you are talking about the data sheet, especially related to product positioning. And we have consistently seen across the ERP vendors that they all had uh, ungated content, especially for case studies uh, and the data sheets. Okay, so here, this is a very, very, very interesting screenshot. And this is what Dave, you were talking about. Okay, this is, I found this fascinating. Okay, so the first line reads is, has the software company been serving the manufacturing industry for 45 years? Sure, you have been, but you were 50, 50 years back and you are 50 today. Are you proud of that? I'm not. <laughs> so yeah, sure, the length is great, but and by the way, let me see, they are calling the other guys. And who are these other guys? They are not being clear. Who are you calling out? Are you calling SAP? Are you calling Oracle? Who are you calling? Okay, you you need to make your mind in terms of what, who you are trying to challenge. You can't simply, you know, call other guys. It's not very educational for the customers, in my opinion. I think it's, it's, it's more of the sales pitch. Can you get a financial statement from software company showing they are debt-free, offering future stability? I mean, look, Global Shop, you are amazing, but you are not very financially stable. You haven't shown us a real growth that I would expect, especially if you have been in the market for 50 years. So we are going to dig into all of that. And the other one, other point is even more interesting. They are saying, are my maintenance fees? So when you say maintenance fees, meaning this is a very on-prem solution, okay? It is not the cloud-based solution. It is, they are still very on-prem, 
and they are saying i am going to be charging you 20% maintenance fee and that also goes in r&d and now we are going to see how much r&d we are doing we are going to look under the hood on their technology if they have been doing any r&d obviously you know if you look simply looking at marketing material or the feature sheet you will not be able to know so we are going to be looking under the hood okay what have they done overall okay guys so this is the the point that i was trying to make related to the on prem so if you actually look at the icon here this is the global shop icon it is not really opening in the browser as you guys can see here uh, and the reason uh, you know if they were uh, even a little cloudy okay they are probably going to be open they will open in a browser in this particular case this is really the desktop app guys this is not even close to being an erp and erp is supposed to be doing far more than just being a desktop fishbowl app you know that is going to work on somebody's computer so here if you actually look at pay attention to their menus their menu structure is very outdated this is a very dotnet sort of or vb uh, if you guys remember visual basic programming language these screens actually appeared as if they were created in visual basic and i was actually coding visual basic i believe in 1999 so i can tell you i was doing this the same work in 1999 and we have come a long way uh, since then in terms of the technology capabilities and how software should look in 2021 okay so some of the technical considerations so one of the things that these desktop apps do is because they have to run on a desktop computer now when you think about the desktop computer if you are going to load your sap on a desktop computer your computer is probably going to die and the reason why it is going to die is because your software requires heavy processing power that your desktop computer don't have now if you are going to compare your sap with global shop you are going to say that you know what global shop is amazing because it can work on my computer as if it cannot okay so if we are comparing that way obviously that's an unfair comparison okay so what these desktop companies do and this is the conversation that we were having in case of quickbooks as well what these desktop app companies they are trying to select a database okay that database is going to be slightly leaner version of the real database that is going to back your enterprise app for example let's say if you look at the enterprise it they are going to be backed by one of the databases that could be oracle that could be microsoft sql server mysql those are some of the databases they are designed for the transactional replication they are designed for the transactional consistency the integrity of the different transactions that you typically have as part of your erp now when we look at this particular screen so what they have done and what these desktops app typically do is they are going to flatten their object structure now when you say flatten the object structure for example let's take an example of the sales order the sales order may have 50000 fields or maybe 5000 fields depending upon how complex your sales processes are how complex your business information architecture is so now you have two approaches one you can literally flatten the entire structure meaning when i enter the sales order i am going to be entering all those 50000 fields now that's going to be a nightmare as you guys can imagine okay when you look at bigger erp system what they do is they build the hierarchy of the business objects because their databases can support these hierarchies the thinner erp systems what they do is they are going to flatten out everything so number one the problem that you are going to get is when you are going to be entering the sales orders if you make a mistake in case of the hierarchical data structure what is going to happen is you have to make the changes only at one place and that change is going to be reflected across all of your business objects as opposed to changing it everywhere now if you look at these desktop apps the reason why they have to flatten out is because of the limitation of their database because they are trying to reduce the memory footprint of their database technology that's why they have to do this so they and they are going to claim that you know what i have to flatten it out because i am trying to make it easier for you okay but making it easier is subjective now if you look at from the data entry perspective if if you have to let's say modify 50 different sales orders when you are making a simple price change now that's a big deal because you are going to require a lot more admin effort so from the sales perspective sure you don't have to go through 10 different tabs it may be a easier sales order experience but it's going to be far more difficult when you have to make these massive changes so in all of these desktop apps 
you are going to get a very flattened structure because of the limitation of their technology. So here I am highlighting a couple of things, I guess, in this particular screen or in the next one. They're still okay. Uh, you know, if you look at the company information, they don't really have much of the details. There are only two tabs at the at the company level, which in my opinion, if you compare with the, some of the other ERP systems, they are probably going to have 10 tabs. And the only reason why they have 10 tabs is because they are trying to organize the information in the parent-child relationship. And that parent-child relationship has been there for a while. If you ask any programmer, they will tell you the parent-child relationship is far better than the flattened structure, okay? If you go back to 1960s, if you take an example of mainframe C, okay, those programming languages were very flattened out. Then we learned that, you know what, that's not good for the world, okay? We need to organize this information a bit. So we created programming languages such as your C++, Java, and those are very object-oriented in nature in the technical terms. Now, the same concept applies in case of your business information. Okay, the uh, you need to organize your information. Otherwise, you are going to be performing far more data entry if you have to update a single field. So let's move to the next screen. So here they are saying that, you know what? I am in integrated with SolidWorks. Obviously, SolidWorks is a desktop app, guys. Okay, this is used on desktop. SolidWorks, you will never find in the enterprise IT setting where you have the common instance of SolidWorks. So that's how you should be thinking about the desktop apps. The SolidWorks is a desktop app. It can integrate with your desktop app, which is called Global Shop, in this specific instance. Now, let's look at some of these screens here. So one of the things that you are going to notice is the cost is the manual field. Can you believe this, guys? You have a manual field for the cost. If you look at some of the larger ERP system, you are going to have a hierarchical structure to compute your cost. You have to enter a lot of different data fields, and that is going to be part of your master data setup. Now, if you need to change the cost of this or cost of any of the underlying variables, now you have to be changing on each of the parts. Let's say if you have 50,000 SKUs. Oh my goodness, even for a small change, every time you are changing to the 50,000 part. Now imagine how much work that is going to require. Nobody's gonna like it, okay? So that's the problem with the flattened structure versus the centralized or the object-oriented structure and this can work for, let's say, if you have 100 SKUs, 200 SKUs, no problem. If you are a $10 million company, no problem, okay? But as you grow in, your, in terms of your number of SKUs and the number of and the amount of information that you need to capture for each of your business objects, that is going to grow exponentially when you are going to grow, let's say, 20, 30, 50, $100 million. You have things like purchase conversion, consumption conversion. There is the, you are going to find at least 100, 200 business rules. You know, just based on this field, and there is going to be a little hierarchy there. When you are going to click on, let's say, NetSuite or Acumatica, when you are going to click on this, there's going to be a pop-up on the screen, and then you'll be able to see that there is a little hierarchy and the business rules that are being kicked off. Obviously, that is all missing. And the reason why that is missing is because of the technical limitation that we have in the underlying database, because they cannot really support number one distributed transaction, okay? And the way distributed transactions work, guys, is going to be, when you have two unrelated objects in the technology terms, okay? So when you are updating, let's say, inventory as well as GL, when you have to update these two, then what you need to make sure is if your inventory is updated, obviously you need to update your GL as well, right? Because that's part of just one transaction. You are closing one transaction from your, from your UI. You need to make sure when you hit the save button, all of those objects are saved. Otherwise, your data is not going to be in sync, right? So what uh, distributed, distributed transaction does is Let's say if one of these calls are going to fail in between, then it's actually going to call everything back. So in their case, natively, database does not support distributed transaction. Can you guys believe this? And in case of ERP, you can imagine when you are going from your sales order to invoice, how big that transaction is, how many tables you need to update. And sometimes you could have as many as thousands and thousands of tables that you need to update. And especially when you are doing this massive manipulation in case of your bombs, that could be a very heavy lift overall in the database update, the way you are doing. And even if one call is going to fail, they don't have that native capability and they have to use a lot of custom code to be able to provide that capability. Now that's a big deal, guys. So there is a real data integrity problem in natively in the database, guys, and that you are only going to learn when you are going to, let's say, 
uh, grow to your 30, 50, and then your items are going to start, they might disappear. Sometimes you might have issues, and then those guys are going to say, you know what, I don't know what the fix is. Uh, so they are going to do something, but you will not know what the real issue is. The mobile, if you actually pay attention to, to the mobile, they don't really have the native mobile app. What they have is the URL, and they are opening a browser. So the only thing they have is these screens, and they are going to be opened in your, your mobile. The only thing you have done is you have really changed the aspect ratio of a screen. You have not really developed them natively. So obviously, your experience is going to be horrible when you are going to be using this on mobile. Okay, so obviously, you know, they have been in the market for a very, very long time, and they have very deep capabilities. Now, guys, if you actually want to innovate in terms of technology, they are always innovating functionally. I get it, guys, but the technical improvement of the product is equally important because all of the technologies that your software is dependent upon, they need to move in sync. If your operating system has moved, then you want to make sure is that your software is moving uh, you know, along the value chain as well. So in their case, they have very deep functional capabilities. Now, this is going to be a very hard lift. Let's say if they try to convert this in the cloud native platform. The family cannot support this. You require an investor, uh, you know, who is going to put real money in this to be able to convert this into the cloud native platform. Otherwise, it's going to be really, really, really hard. Okay, so guys, if you guys have any comments, I can take some short comments. What was the screen you were just showing us, Sam? With that graphic, uh, the uh, the chart. This is the APS screen, Andy. Ah, okay, gotcha. I mean, if you actually ignore the technology overall from the functional perspective, this is an amazing product. Anybody will buy if they are simply looking at demo. And the reason why they will buy is functionally, it's a very rich product. And when you are looking at the demo, guys, you are looking at the demo on the desktop. That's not the real representation of your data. Once you actually load your data in an ERP, once you start performing those transactions, then you are going to get the real taste of how IT systems work. And there is always, I mean, when you talk about the traditional IT systems, we used to do stress testing as part of the ERP system. Uh, in case of ERP system, the stress test is not there. You are simply looking at a system functionally and you are simply buying it, okay? And you are making an assumption that whatever transaction you are placing, sales order, invoice, in your sales process, that's going to work for all of your data sets once you actually start handling that system for five entities, five facilities, 40 facilities, I don't know. So guys, I'm actually going to move to some of the user reviews. Guys, one of the things that you are going to notice about Global Shop, their reviews are really, really positive. Okay, that's the consistent trend that I have seen. Their support team is really good, guys. These guys are really working hard and making sure their customers are happy, which is obviously a big deal. We have not seen these positive reviews, even in case of your Plex. Okay, even though Plex is a really sexy platform, but their reviews were really good. But in case of Global Shop, the reviews are really good. So obviously the team is really good. But we will pay attention to uh, you know what kind of sample set are we talking about in terms of review. So here, as you can see, the company size is roughly 51 to 200 employees. You know, I don't know how many of them are really using the ERP. Something that sometimes that could be a variable that you need to pay attention. So even you, if you might have, let's say, 200 employees, if 10 people are using the ERP you are really 10 people company in my eyes. So you are, even though you are going to claim that, you know what, my software can work for 200 people company, but actually those 200 people are not really using the ERP system. So in my mind, it is really the, the 10 users that are really using that. This is a recent review. This product comes out of the box with all the modules and many custom programs that can be downloaded. So they have a lot of custom programs that they are providing as part of the... That, uh, that they are providing as part of the, the main offering. American-made product with great customer support. So obviously, they are coaching their customer the notion of American-made product, which is great as long as you know that's going to work for everybody. Great reviews and track records. The ability to have both a manufacturing and accounting package all under one head. Guys, one more thing that I have noticed in case of Global Shop. So there are two or three or four different review platforms. The most of the... Uh, review platforms that I have seen, they had positive reviews, with the exception of one, and that is going to be Trust Radius. And I think they are the only one that actually verify the reviews. Okay, so on Trust Radius, the majority of the reviews were negative for some reason. So I don't know if this this is just an observation. I just wanted to throw it out there that on Trust Radius, more major the majority of the reviews are, are negative. 
So here in March 2017, this is coming from the operations manager, 11 to 50 employees. That's the right size for global shop. The shop side has been fantastic. The office girls had a tough time transitioning the accounting side to global shop from QuickBooks. QuickBooks is a decent accounting package. And in their case, obviously, if they are having hard time transitioning from QuickBooks, I don't know if this could be because of the way their business objects are structured or there could be something else. I don't know. Yeah, but overall, I think they are okay. Initially, they had some problems, but then they are okay. So I'm actually going to move to my next review. This is coming from 2019. Here they are saying, I didn't like that you have to open three additional screens to view an invoice. I don't know if this is a real deal, if they have to really open three different screens to open or view an invoice. I have seen this in case of a lot of different ERP systems. If they don't really have that document workflow built as part of your uh, your business objects, I think there should be a shortcut in the order history where you could double click on the invoice and it should show up in another window. They have found problems in case of your stock and order entry. And guys, uh, you know when I was talking about this one, the flattened structure, I had mentioned that this is going to be the the most problematic area just because of that flattened structure should be able to double click an invoice or credit memo in the order history. This is okay. That's not too bad. Now, here, one of the things that you are going to notice is you are not going to have much of the flexibility with respect to rearranging the fields. Now, with respect to ERP system, you know, most ERP, decent size ERP system, they will provide you some sort of, at least you can rearrange the fields. You don't have to like create 5,000 fields, but at least rearrange the way you work. That should not be a big, big deal. But in their case, if you want to rearrange, you have to go through Global Shop and they are actually going to charge you the consulting dollars because that's not part of your configuration. So again, when I try to differentiate between my ERP and my app, desktop app, my desktop app is not going to provide any sort of configurability. They are only going to be providing me the features and functions and everybody's going to have pretty much similar view, maybe a little different, but then you know I'm not going to have as much configurability, at least in my workflows. So that's going to be missing in their case. Having data store in many different places like Excel Sheets. So obviously, this particular customer moved from Excel Sheet, QuickBooks, uh, Office Books. Obviously, this is a great fit. Uh, Global Shop is a great platform when you are moving, let's say, out of QuickBooks, a spreadsheet. But if you are moving from another ERP, that's going to be questionable. Here, to complete a new quote will take you a minimum of three to five minutes to complete it, there is no way, there is way too much information and clicks to go through. And the reason why you have to enter so much information, guys, is because of your flattened structure. Because when you are going to have your organized structure, a lot of this information is going to be defaulted based on the, the data entry that you are going to do in every single uh, you know field. The only things that you should be entering in case of your sales order is going to be your customer. It's going to be the item that you are buying and the quantity. If you have to enter anything else, that's going to be a stretch. But those are going to be three or four fields that you should be entering. But in their case, you are going to be entering a lot again because of the flattened structure. OK, so guys, this is this was eye opening for me, to be honest. OK, so I actually like to dig into where the technology is and who is owning it, because there are going to be political pressures. Everybody's trying to make money here. Let's be honest, right? So here, if you actually look at where the database is right now, and the database, and Andy, you could tell me which database they are using Pervasive. And I had no idea that they were using Pervasive platform. If I did not find this review, in the review, it was listed. That's how I came to know. I have no idea because I don't have any training material. I don't have any support material. I don't have their data sheets. I don't have their case studies. So I don't know what you have underneath. And you, if you tell me that I am using Oracle underneath, I'm probably going to believe you because I'm part of the sales cycle. And whatever you are going to tell me, it's very hard to challenge because uh, I would not know unless you tell me. So this actually, I found this in the review and they were using pervasive as opposed to the SQL server. Now that's a huge red flag for me. So let's look at you know where pervasive is right now. And by the way, guys, going back to my original point, these guys were claiming that I am investing all of your money in the product development. Pervasive is a very old database. It's a 50-year-old database. It's not going anywhere. It's, a, <laughs> uh, it's, it's really, really, really dead. If it was so hot, then one of the companies like SAP, Microsoft, they would have bought by now. 
but where is it right now okay so we are going to look at the history of uh, the pervasive so pervasive was acquired by an indian company okay it's called hcl technology they have zero stake in the software development world typically they should not be buying any sort of it the only reason why they have bought this it is because they are looking for all the technologies that are becoming outdated so they can charge far more because these people are going to be very hard to find in the market okay so that's how the professional services world works and that's why they have acquired this and obviously they are going to increase the price and they are not going to maintain your database unless you pay them the dollars that they are going to demand or you are not going to get support from anywhere i mean that's what happened to mainframe that's what happened to any of the outdated technologies that nobody wants in this world except global shop so okay so here in the public release they have said you know what this acquisition will add cutting edge intellectual property to scl come on scl you are not cutting edge you know you are a professional services company so you haven't done anything cutting edge as far as i am aware of so you know don't call yourself as as cutting edge it's when a database gets full of records that the engine starts to matter and this is actually coming from the development guys and this is from this review is from 2015 i guess this was from 19 and this is coming from developer and they are trying to find if there is going to be a real issue because of pervasive db and if you actually look into the developer community they are very clearly going to identify that pervasive db is designed for very thin lean apps that are supposed to be running on the desktop they are not supposed to be running as your enterprise system or you are going to have significant issues it's when a database gets full of records that the engine starts to is pervasive sql worthy backend for 30 million come yeah we don't really have any conclusion here but i think in the next screenshot we have a little bit of conclusion and there are there is a real research uh, that a lot of developers have done and this is the review that i was talking about i think this is coming from trust radius this is the only one which is the verified user and they don't have very positive reviews here as you can see the layout is hard and uh, you know it's very hard to navigate need to go to different sections to access functions of the system which can be confusing the error seems to pop up all the time you are going to get a lot of errors part router number randomly disappear obviously you will have that when you have real problems in your data integrity unless your developers tell you you won't know what is happening under the hood the help section is is very technical in nature i would expect that because they are not really investing as much money in the training material because you are not really commercializing that as your offering so yeah i that's consistent with what i reported some of the basic things such as you are unable to match a debit and a credit on a customer or vendor account to remove it from the open ledger now this should not be a big deal but you know they have clearly highlighted this as a as a problem and this is a very clear indication that they have real data integrity issues they are not just telling you yeah and they have clearly highlighted that if you are a, some sort of small manufacturing or retail business this is a great package and this is the study that i was talking about guys this is going to be related to the comparison of different and one of the key point that you want to pay attention to is going to be the speed that this guy tested and this is from 99 guys and this is the it pro and they had run a test and you know in case of pervasive sql the same transaction took roughly 26 seconds in case of sql server it took 7 seconds and by the way guys you know and i don't know if this is going to be the uh, update or select but this is a major difference you are not only going to feel this difference in case of your transaction performance but you are going to feel this difference in case of your data entry as well i was going to say the previous screen you're talking about accounting and financials some of the things that we've mentioned here today is um, the website makes certain claims and we all know marketing is an amazing thing what is perceived is real to a lot of people like for example up in I'm I'm in Canada as as you folks know multi currency is very important up here because we're dealing mostly with other countries throughout the world it's less it's important to some companies in the US but not as important but because it was uh, the product was targeted at uh, Texas job shops and machine shops originally multi currency didn't matter so th their marketing piece does claim multi currency if you look at their website it claims that as well but really what they mean is that on an it's not multi currency what they do is they on an invoice for a payable they put the currency on the check and they claim that as multi currency but that's it so so it 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 there are some great things about this product but it definitely does appear to oversell sometimes sam i just want to comment on the on the costing piece 
because I was, I, I thought you did a great job of kind of highlighting where this may fit with a smaller manufacturer. But the the fact that you have to put in a cost into each on the SKU level like that, even a, even if I have a couple hundred SKUs and I'm a small manufacturer, there, there's there's no first and first out capabilities. There's there's no uh, uh, there's no real inventory management capabilities. Um, that I found to be really really shocking. That even if I'm a medium, small size manufacturer and I want to scale, that would really be a problem for me looking at it. Well, the comment you just made is exactly what I was pointing out. The product was originally designed for machine shops and job shops. They're commonly purchasing directly to the jobs, so they're not really tracking inventory at all. Global Shop has added some functionality to do inventory control, material planning, MRP, that kind of stuff, but it's definitely not their strength. So, Angela, you are saying my understanding of backlog is that some sort of contract must have been signed, appeal, submitted. I completely agree with you. News backlog should be more clearly defined to be fully understand the business impact. I completely agree with you, Dave. Thank you so much for that comment. Phil, you had a comment. Realize revenue when the work is delivered. You guys are so right. Sightline, early 1980s. Okay, so these guys started roughly in 1970s, which is wonderful. And they have been in the market for 10 more years. Global Shop was originally called Infesis. Okay, thanks for the history lesson. Andy changed name during Y2K. Up until 2000, they mostly targeted job shops, machine shops in Houston. After 2000, they began. I agree with your assessment there. Small ERP vendors have small R&D budgets. That is right. Unless you oversell in your marketing material that Global Shop clearly did. Sorry, Global Shop, but you are definitely doing that. Here is a link of the marketing page where they are comparing, showing their financials versus their competitors. I don't know if you, uh, Dave, if you found any insight from that page. Uh, maybe you want to talk about that. Yeah, that it, I just wanted to link the uh, same screen that you showed in there, Sam. Um, so there's a couple other points in there, but it's all uh, very high level. And, and I think we've already pointed out, but it's really geared on the marketing side, you know, us versus them. Um, same way on the, you know, American made product. I think they're really tapping into kind of a certain uh, group of people that that may be, you know, unfortunately misled by some of those uh, types of claims. So I just wanted to include that. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Dave. Global Shop provided only one case study for PCB manufacturing and this company was not uh, truly a PCB manufacturer. Sure, Global Shop tends to list testimonials and industry expertise. As soon as they get one customer in that industry, I would think that every ERP vendor is probably doing that. But sure, any practical, that was my experience. When I looked for case studies, one PCB, and it wasn't only, okay, so Angela is attesting, great. Okay, GSS is really targeted at a small job shop. I agree with that. Regarding the list of services, GSS list on their website, throwing, okay, I agree. Uh, SEO, I can do everything. That's what ERP is supposed to do, right? Everything. Marketing, <laughs> HR, <laughs> the scheduling system included in GSS is uh, in five, infinite. Okay. Many customers have completed about the number of keystrokes screens required for simple transaction. That's what we saw. It's not a SQL server. I agree. All right, guys. So we could get through those comments really soon. We can take some more quick comments if you guys have for five minutes and then we can wrap. Uh, just one more quick one, Sam, and and I think that the the assessment on the size of the company, pretty clear lack of investment, you know, just by looking at how their platform is and that it that it really is a you know a native desktop package, and the software background is is really important. I would be a little less comfortable uh, criticizing them as a family business. There's a lot of very successful family businesses that are well capitalized that have great succession, great advisory boards. So I think the fact that they're a family business, I shouldn't be a criticism of them. The fact that they're a small business that really hasn't kept up and that they oversell their product are very fair game. The only comment I would have there, Phil, is going to be if it, the ERP is a different deal. The reason why that is a different deal, because you run into a lot of different financial and legal risks. If the family business is going to be, let's say, manufacturing, you don't really have as much impact on your customers. But if you are an ERP OEM, even if you are a consulting firm, that is family owned. I'm okay with that. ERP software manufacturer is a different deal because you are making sure that I am complying with the accounting standards. I am relying on your software to make sure I am complying. And by the way, if your software is going to fail tomorrow, I don't know where to go because I am going to be 
screwed because of this because I am responsible for my own accounting. So that's where my problem is. But I, I, I was pretty shocked at how shallow some of this was when you got right into it. It was it was that that uh, quote unquote ERP software would have this type of limitations to it was frankly surprising to me. Yeah, that's what I was going to jump on, Phil. I mean, the the whole distributed transactions versus centralized tying back to the database, that was pretty incredible to see that, you know, I think back to Sam's point, uh, having been around for, you know, 50 plus years now and not continuing to upgrade and put those investments into that infrastructure is almost, a, you know, kind of telling, especially when you take into account the marketing that they've put behind the fact that they're using your maintenance fees as investments in future technology. I think putting all that together really tells you something. I want to look inside and see where the vacuum tubes are. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's a crank on the side, actually. All right, guys, that's it for today. On that note, thank you, everybody, for your time and insight. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Thanks, Sam. Sam. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about ND Practical, head over to essoft.com. It's E-S-S-O-F-T dot com. If you want to learn more about Phil Kerper, head over to ringlingbusinesssolutions.com. It's R-I-N-G-L-I-N-G-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S dot com. If you want to learn more about Angela Thurman, head over to thurmanco.com. It's T-H-U-R-M-A-N-C-O dot com. If you want to learn more about Dave Chrysler, head over to thechrysler.club. It's T-H-E-C-R-Y-S-L-E-R dot C-L-U-B. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Anissa Muthana who shares her journey of transforming her shop after losing all of her key customers because of the consolidation in her customers' industries. Also, the interview with Andy Pratigal, who discusses why ERP demos are designed to deceive and why ERP salespeople are more incentivized to sell their products than the success of their customers. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you, and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.